Hello, Trash Future listeners. Please enjoy this preview of this month's second Britonology, which is available on the $10 tier. Also, just an FYI, look in the show notes. There's a link to an unlocked Britonology, which we've put out on the main feed. Thank you for listening and hope you enjoy. So I'm interested in this stuff that as long as it doesn't violate the, uh, what's the right word here, the statute of limitations, you know, <laughs> we can disclose it, that kind of a thing. Mate, no, it's the 90s, son. We're well outside any statute of limitations, my friend. If you'd have asked me this in 2001, I couldn't have possibly have commented, but now. <laughs> you can't get it all, brother. All right. 9-11 was Come really on. the watershed for this stuff, you know. <laughs> no, uh, once, uh, once Osama brought those two boys down, you know, it was all over, really, for the, the banking secrets. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, I mean, look, I've, it, was, it was typically the pub after work kind of, kind of thing. Um, but, I mean, there were a couple of old haunts um, the Stratford sauna was one. Um, so is this in Stratford? It, it is in Stratford. Oh, Stratford in the nineties. Yeah, I'm not sure I'd have fancied that. No, as a it, night it out. was Stratford in the nineties. Yeah, it was Stratford in the nineties. I mean Stratford now, to be honest, but Stratford in the nineties. I'll leave it up to your imagination as to what went on in the Stratford sauna. Mm-hmm. But suffice to say that I once went in there, and um, I was sitting there having a beer, and I looked to my left, and there was a guy sitting there in bright red underpants and it was the head of trading from Barclays <laughs> <laughs> and I just looked at him and I said uh, alright John <laughs> and he went huh. well he was mortified that I turned up I said uh, you know what you're going to do first thing in the morning and first thing in the morning he was making us quite a lot of prices mm. there you have it it was worth hanging out <laughs> caught red handed or red panted yeah. As you, as you might say. Red panted in the Stratford sauna. That is, uh... We were in Langan's one evening and I was there with my manager and a couple of other guys from the desk and a couple of clients. And uh, my manager was quite drunk. And um, on the table just behind us was Shirley Bassey. And right. he said, and he, he turned around and said, oh, fucking Shirley, is that Shirley Bassey? Yeah, that's Shirley, that is Shirley Bassey for sure. He's like, oh, fuck it, I love Shirley Bassey. At which moment he stood up and went over to her table and started serenading her. Oh, my God. Yeah, which was highly embarrassing, as you can imagine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what was Shirley's response? Did she... <laughs> I mean, if I wish I'd... You know, we didn't have mobile phones then, otherwise no. I'd have definitely got a picture of Shirley's face because I can assure you it was a fucking picture. <laughs> <laughs> she was... It, it, was a, it was a face of, of horror... Anger and embarrassment <laughs> all rolled into one, like like the like the scream, Edvard oh. Munch, something along those lines. It, it wasn't good. Well, that's generally that's generally the reaction you're looking for from an impromptu <laughs> musical performance. Yeah. <laughs> when you've got some old bloke coming up, and he was quite old at the time, pissed out of his face. To be fair, that is kind of Shirley Bassey's fan base. Yeah, <laughs> belting out the miniature walk in the joint. <laughs> you, kind of, you know, you can imagine it, can't you? It, it wasn't good. <laughs> I'm fascinated by that as an as an approach, though, to be like, right, I love Shirley Bassey. How am I going to impress Shirley Bassey? I'm going to do a very poor cover version of a Shirley Bassey song to her at a dinner. Yeah. Um, it's a, of all of all of the sort of methods of entry you could have employed there. I think it's possibly the lowest success rate. He didn't think it through. No, that's all I'm saying. He was drunk. He was a bit red lipped and reckless. 
Mm, but not red panted. No, thankfully. absolutely not. That no. that was uh, that was all about Barclays. You see, if he'd have bumped into Shirley Bassey in the Stratford sauna, he might have had a bit more leverage. Christ Almighty! I don't think I don't think Shirley went down there. <laughs> I, I, should, I should hope not. <laughs> <laughs> she was a bit out of that particular uh, social setting. She didn't need the work. Mm. No, presumably not. Um, I'll so, say one thing about the city in yeah. the 90s. It was everybody had a purpose. Everybody was there to do a job, whether you were a broker or a trader, whether you were doing equities, whether you were doing bonds, FX, whatever you were doing. Mm. Everybody was there to do a job. We weren't burdened by huge amounts of regulation. We didn't have... 50-man HR departments. We didn't have 25 people working in compliance and a legal department of 100 people. Uh, These are are cost centres now, right? And and therein lies the problem. Back then, the cost of running the operation was much slimmer. Yeah. You could make money and you you got looked after. You got good salaries, you got good bonuses. I mean, now I don't think you're allowed a bonus, are you? Or is it capped at twice your salary or something along those lines? They definitely still get bonuses, but I don't know how much. Um, yeah, my experience has been that it really depends on what your job is. That there'll be some people where it's absolutely capped, yeah. and some people where like high risk, high reward jobs where you absolutely can make a lot more. But then also, if you make a bad trade, you're gone within an hour. You know, you're packing up your desk, and that's yeah. it. Uh, that that was the uh, one of my friends from school worked uh, as a um, on an industrials team for um, uh, was a long short equities in a hedge fund. And yeah, I mean, he went through five or six analysts in a year because if they, if they it basically, the minute that their portfolio manager wasn't happy, it was like, now nah, they're gone. So I think it's probably worth at this point talking about, we've kind of, we've alluded to the fact that, you know, things were a bit more laissez-faire and now they're less so. So I think it's probably worth getting into some, uh, some of the kind of incidents that might have tipped it in that direction. Uh, I flagged this to Matt earlier, but I feel like we can't really talk about the city in the nineties without talking about Nick Leeson and Baring's bank. <laughs> um, uh, which I believe technically happened in Singapore, right? That was where he, he was. was uh, yeah, he was an equities trader in Singapore. Yeah, yeah, but um, he was a uh, British. Uh, he was like he started off in the back office at uh, at Barings Bank, and then he ended up managing their sort of entire operation out in Singapore. But I think was doing a lot of business in kind of Southeast Asia in general, um, and. Uh, he essentially this all it, this all came to a head in the 92 or 93 uh where it basically acknowledged that he had been making these incredibly risky trades and hiding all of his losses in an error account which was supposed to be used for kind of basically adding up errors at the end of the day for when like the trades didn't align or something of that nature yeah there's kind of um, mixed information about it but in essence leeson for i think for a couple of years he made a lot of money for bearings, right? I mean, I think he mm. made something like 10% of their total trading profit mm. on his own, which is quite impressive. And I, I gather from that that he, he kind of got a lot of leeway mm-hmm. on how he traded, how he reported. Um, I think the essence of him, the downfall of him was that he, took, he, he was losing money. He'd kind of he'd covered it up through the back office system, and he'd covered it. He'd, he'd somehow he'd worked out a way to cover up the losses as well on the mm. electronic reporting system. Mm-hmm. I don't know how he did it, but he did it. Um, and then he, of course, when you start losing money and you're covering it up, you take more and more risk. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and he took a big punt on the Tokyo Stock Exchange, and then the earthquake hit. Got it. So the Nikkei fell out of bed. Margin calls all over the place. And that's when they discovered, I think it was a $1.3 billion black hole. Fuck. 
yeah. right in 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 the trading. And of course, uh, in 1992, 1.3 billion dollars was a lot more money oh, it, than it, it is now. It, it was a huge it was a huge pickle. Having said that, if you look at that bearing situation, bearings actually probably could have worn a 1.3 billion loss, but it was the process of how they wound those trades up because they're only paper losses. They're only paper losses until you physically come out of the transaction, mm-hmm. right? Until you physically yeah. sell out yeah. of your future, mm. out of your option, out of your, posi- out of your net position. So I can't remember who handled that process. Uh, I have a feeling it was Barclays, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure they weren't kind to mm-hmm. bearings when they were exiting those bearings positions. And in mm. the end, ING bought bearings for one pound. So a German banking dynasty, I think it was German. Isn't they Dutch, IMG? ING's Dutch, but I oh. think bearings originally was German. Oh, right. Dynastical German banking family, I mm-hmm. think. Uh, a merchant bank completely disappeared for a quid. That's wild. Mm. Quite sad. But it was a huge story back in those days. A huge story. Yeah. What was it like when the sort of news broke in London? What was, I imagine the fallout from it was quite large. Took a few days to find out what exactly was going on, mm-hmm. but a bank like Bearings, who were quite conservative going bust, was a, was a shocker. Mm. Was a shocker because in the foreign exchange market, Bearings was quite a conservative bank. They were a good bank. They made money. You just didn't expect this kind of thing from a bank like Bearings. Yeah, you would expect it from a bank that was more risk on, that had a huge proprietary trading operation. You could kind of, like a Lehman's, that kind of bank, you could kind of expect it. Or Lehman's as it was then was Shearson's. Mm. Um, but Bearings... And of course, Lehman's went on to be completely fine. <laughs> yeah, no problem there at all. Lehman's was, was the, yeah, was the, was the golden egg. Yeah. Did right. Lehman's, Bearstones. I think Bearstones was AAA on the day it went bust, right? Yeah, it might have been. Amazing, eh? Well, that Those was right in Jason's did a crappy, yeah. cracking job. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cracking job. There's a video, actually, I think it's the, the chairman or the CEO of Bear Stearns is giving a speech when he gets the news that they've basically just gone bust. Yeah. Cracking video. It's a cracking clip. Well, if, we can pull, if we can pull some audio from it, we will. We'll, see we'll, stick, do, it, yeah. we'll stick it in. It's a bit like um, the Donald Trump Twin Towers one when he's reading the kids' book. Oh, oh, George Bush. Yes, yeah, George yeah, Bush. yeah, yeah, yeah. A, when he, when he, yeah. when he's, he's you remember school, that one? Yeah, when he's just, whispering in his ear. Yeah, and he just goes like, "It's one of those." Yeah, it, mm. it, it's a, it's a 